0: This is Black Girls Love True Crime, a true crime podcast told from the perspective of a Black girl. Hey people, welcome to another episode of Black Girls Love True Crime. It's your host, T. Hope everyone has been safe and has been been healthy since you last listened to my last, to the last episode. Uh, I'm so happy to be at it again this morning. I'm out here um, in my car in the morning time recording another episode and it's such a pleasure um, to be doing that. So today we are going to Ghana. Ghana, Ghana, Ghana. I love Ghana. I absolutely love Ghana. I, um, you know, obviously I'm from Nigeria, but well, not obviously, for those of you who don't know, I'm from Nigeria. I've said it on um earlier episodes, but I'm born and raised in Nigeria, but Ghana is like my second home. um I have one of my best friends is from Ghana um but even more than that uh for for a period of time when I was younger, my family actually lived in Ghana, um so I visited Ghana quite a bit and just a few years ago, just a couple years ago, um, you know, in two thousand and nineteen before everything happened with the pandemic. I was in Ghana. Um, and you know, Ghana is just such a beautiful country, such a beautiful country. The people are super nice, they're super chill. Ghanaians don't like stress, man. Ghanaians don't like stress, they take things easy. Uh, which I enjoy. It's a peaceful country. Um and you know, it, it like it it's weird, right? Saying, but I I I feel I feel like it it might sound weird to people, but like I'm so I'm just so proud of Ghana as as a country in Africa. I feel like Ghana, um, you know, has just done so well for itself. When you think about tourism in Ghana, and you think about, you know, just how far the country has come, um, tourism also even like embracing, you know, other. Africans in the diaspora I think Ghana has really taken like they've taken that to a different level and so you know everyone out there if you ever want to visit you know any African country I think Ghana is a beautiful country to to visit but especially black people in the diaspora I think you know Ghana has embraced they they have a beautiful um just like it's just a beautiful country, and they've done a great job of embracing, embracing people. And I actually think now, sitting back, um, talking about Ghana in this way, and I do, and obviously I'm doing this organically because I do have experience with Ghana and because I have lived in Ghana and I just visited recently. But I think what I want to start doing now, that I think I'm gonna try to start doing, is that before I start of this episode, because we are going from country to country. Maybe I'll try to say a little bit um, about each country um, for people who are listening and don't know a lot about African countries or about Africa as a whole. um, I think I'm going to be trying to do that. And I think it would even be helpful for me because to be quite honest, I mean, I was born and raised in Nigeria. Obviously, I just stated that I visited Ghana. I have um, really only, I mean, when we were younger, we would drive from Nigeria to Ghana. So I went through some other countries but I haven't really visited a lot of African countries and that's something I want to change. So I think kind of like maybe I would just do like a little tidbit. Oh, this country is in this part of Africa and um you know these are some things that this country is known for. Not not anything too in depth, just like surface level type stuff, um, which I think would be really interesting to shed light on the countries that we're going that that we talk about. I think that's going to be a nice segment to add. Um, but yeah, so this is like I said, this is Ghana. We're in West Africa. Um, that's where Ghana is, and it's a beautiful it's a beautiful country. But um, so we're in Ghana today, and let's we're talking about the Accra Strangler. That's what they coined. It's so funny, right? All these serial killers and they always have all these names for them. Like there's always all these names for them. Like Jack the Ripper, the Accras Strangler, the B1 Butcher. Like there is always all these like super catchy names as if to like catchy names. I mean, I guess it just makes it easy for people to just know who we're talking about. But this this was this this specific um serial killer was known as the Acrask Strangler. Um and so let's let's delve into it. Let's you know talk about the little bit that I do. I was able to research about him. So uh his name uh is I believe he's still alive, yeah. So his name is Charles Papa Kwabena Ebo kwanza Uh he was born in 1964. Uh and he's a Ghanaian serial killer who was arrested in February of 2000 and convicted of the strangulation deaths of nine women. And so Kwanzaa, that's, that's what we're going to call him, was initially arrested in 2000 for the murder of his then-girlfriend, Joyce Boateng. While in custody, Kwanzaa was subsequently charged with the murder of another woman, Aku, Akua Sewa. Sewa who was found strangled near Kumasi Sports Stadium in Kumasi on 19th of January, 1996. And then he subsequently confessed to the strangulation deaths of eight women in the capital city of Accra. So Accra is the capital of Ghana. Um, The deaths of 34 women were attributed to a serial killer beginning in 1993. Um, So, so 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 that's essentially what it is. So this guy, Quanta, um, the victims that they've pinned on him are somewhere between nine and thirty-four. <laughs> so I think he confessed to nine, and then they've said there's a possibility that he was actually responsible for the thirty-four others that happened since nineteen ninety-three. Um, he was a mechanic who lived in Accra. Um and had been previously under police surveillance as a suspect in the killings, and so police and prison records reveal that he was jailed um uh for the offense of rape in nineteen eighty six and apparently after he completed that sentence, he committed another rape and was jailed for three years um in another prison. He was then again uh he's just a amazing. Perfect citizen, isn't he? He was imprisoned again for robbery in 1996. Um, and after that, after he's released in 1996, he then relocated to Accra. Um, and so th- there's not very much that is actually said about this because, so, so, okay, so let, let's talk. So his trial for the serial killings for this, what we're talking about, began um, on Thursday, um, July 11th, um, 2002. Um, and like I said, he was, he was convicted, he was subsequently convicted for the strangulation deaths of nine women and he was sentenced to be hanged until death. But the thing that is interesting about this case, right, is that apparently in 2003, Kwanzaa ended up speaking to the press and he denied the killing of any of the nine women. That he was convicted of murdering, murdering, or the further twenty three women that he was suspected of murdering, and he issued a statement proclaiming that he was tortured, he was tortured, whilst in police custody, and that that was why he confessed to those nine killings. Now, I don't know, so it's no surprise. I mean, I think. All of us have watched some kind of show or heard some story about someone who, you know, was taken into police custody, police kind of wanted to pin whatever case they were working on in a specific person, and they just did that, and, you know, the person was tortured and forced, essentially, to com- to confess. Um, so that, that definitely happens. This guy, like I said, wasn't necessarily the model citizen to begin with, but um he was he he claims that there that there was like police um tortured him and that's why he confessed to the initial murders. Um, I don't know, but that's the thing it seems like that's that's what the story is. So there is a lot of press over the years and I saw so one thing that I don't want to do is I don't wanna go into a lot of like court proceedings. I don't want to go into a lot of, like, police investigation necessarily. For me, I'm really interested in, like, talking about a person's maybe early upbringing, early childhood, potential personal lives that may have caused them to be triggered to then become a serial killer, and then I can talk about the murders. That's really what I'm interested in talking about. Um. So I'm not really going to talk too much about... Um. I read some articles about him... You know the interrogation, um, and I well, him talking to the press about you know being like I guess the police force trying to pin these murders on him. And there's one that says like serial killer or scapegoat. That's like the the name of the article. And there's all these things about you know whether or not he he was just being pinned on. He he was just you know being used as a scapegoat for all the murders. I don't know, but I mean. What whether he committed all these murders or not, um, it seems that he still had a life that was pretty questionable. You know, he did commit quite a lot of crimes. Um, it seems that he probably at least did murder his girlfriend Joyce Boiteng. Um, maybe not the other women, but it seems like he murdered his girlfriend. And if there's one, if you murdered one person, then you still, you still, and you still ain't shit. Um, that's just the truth. Um, so, yeah, so that's honestly what I have for Charles Kwanzaa. Um, and I think these are always really interesting when you hear this, because once you insert the fact that there might have been some shady business from police, I feel like it really does throw everything off. You know what I mean? Like now you question everything. Um, and I know that if it was here in the U.S., uh, I mean, well, we've also seen, seen, you know, things in the US where people are thrown in jail for, you know, forceful confessions from police or coercive um, confessions from police. So, you know, but, but, you know, once you throw that element in there, it does question, it doesn't make you question everything else. But um, that's, that's the tidbit I was able to find about Charles Kwanzaa, Um, you know, and, and and I don't wanna yeah, I don't wanna babble and say too much more. That's that's what I could find. So but the point is that once this is also once there is also a possibility that he didn't commit these crimes, there is thirty-four plus other women who had been strangled since nineteen ninety three. So if he was in Kwanzaa, who was it? Is this person still at large? Is this person still, you know, um, are there multiple people? Is it one serial killer who is doing all of the strangulations? Um, that that's also something that is scary to think about. But um, in any case, that's the little tidbit I have about Charles Papa Kwabena Ebo kwanzaa Um, and I hope you guys enjoyed this little semi mini episode. I'm gonna try to keep finding more content, and I hope that you guys continue to enjoy it. And um, till next time. Have a good rest of the day, rest of the week. Till the next time you hear my voice, I'll talk to you next episode. Bye.